everyone and welcome to Two V's and a Pod with me, Izzy the Vegan. And me, Ben's Vegan Kitchen. In this podcast, we'll walk you through the landscape of veganism through the eyes of two pretty relatable day-to-day vegans. And over the series, we plan on discussing a wide range of topics that you may have pondered upon whilst being vegan, or even whilst deciding to take the step. We aim to bust the common myths associated with being vegan, as well as bring new ideas to the table. But we won't be doing this alone, oh no. Over the series, we'll be joined by a selection of amazing guests to offer their thoughts, wisdom, and experiences. On this week's agenda, it's restaurants. I absolutely love heading out to eat, whether it be a chain or an independent spot. Yeah, look, it's something we obviously can't do right now, but we're going to chat about some of our favourite restaurants, as well as a bit of advice with heading to restaurants as a vegan for the very first time. Later in the episode, we're going to be joined by another brilliant guest, Louis Blake, a London-based entrepreneur, speaker and investor, specialising in plant-based restaurants such as Erpingham House and By Chloe. So here we are again, and we are chatting about restaurants we love a restaurant do you remember those things that you used to be able to go out to and and sit down in and be near other people and and get someone else to make food for you and have a really nice time i miss it so much i just miss the whole the whole kind of journey of going to a restaurant like you book it in i'm someone that always looks at the menu beforehand i know there's people that judge those people but i always look at the menu beforehand i always kind of know what i'm gonna order and then there's getting dressed up and getting there and all the atmosphere when you're there like the music in the background and the hustle and bustle of everyone else and Oh, I, I don't know. I just miss it so much. I'd love to go out for dinner. I agree, but I completely agree. But can we just normalise looking at the menu first? <laughs> Who doesn't do that in this day and age? I've got so many PDFs saved to my computer of just like this restaurant menu and that restaurant menu. I'm always looking and you do that awkward thing, don't you? When you've already looked at the menu for a good probably 20 minutes, at least a day before, probably a little bit before you go to the restaurant as well. And then the waiter or the waitress comes over and they give you a menu and you're like, oh, I've got to pretend at least to read it for a little bit because I can't just be like, I don't even need to look. I know what I'm having. You're just like, oh, you've got to play. Oh, yeah. Oh, this looks nice. That looks nice. But you know what you're going to have, don't you? Yeah. That's just a great feeling. Yeah, 100%. You you act it all out. You pretend you're looking through it. But actually, sometimes I do get thrown off. Like, I've looked at it beforehand. I've downloaded the PDF. I'm very sure of what I want. And then I'm sat in the restaurant and then I see other people's food arriving. And theirs looks really good. And I'm like oh can I ask them what that is like I need to like try and find out what they're eating because actually I kind of really want that as well yeah honestly FOMO and like food envy is is the worst thing in the world and actually that's been the best thing about not being able to go to restaurants is that you don't have any of that option you do get that a little bit on Instagram I suppose when you're looking at other people's meals and you think oh that looks maybe a little bit better than mine um I've had that a lot with uh like takeaways so I had the KFC burger the other day we talked about it yeah, the other week very um, nice. And I had I had two because I'm greedy and I don't even care that I'm greedy. It's January. I'm doing my own thing. <laughs> I'm glad um, you had two because last time we spoke, you, you started off with only half of one. So you've upped your game exactly. to two now. And hear me out. I had two and one of them was awful. It was so bad. What? They had, like, and the other overcooked. one was fine? Yeah, and the other one was absolutely fine. They'd overcooked like the patty bit in the middle or whatever you would call it, like the, the chicken quote unquote. And it was just overcooked and dry. And I was like no way like maybe they've changed the recipe and maybe this is super bad but the second one was great so all in all it was fine but if i'd seen on instagram the picture of my one that i didn't obviously publish because it looked terrible um <laughs> i wouldn't have gotten food envy and i would have thought yeah this is great because you don't really get that anymore the one thing i don't miss about restaurants though and i will say this really quickly and again 
we mentioned this a little bit in our episode about living with a, a vegan when you're a non-vegan. It's the picking where to go. I hate it. It's the worst thing. And if Tammy and I argue about anything in this world more than picking a restaurant, like I'm yet to find it. That's all we ever argue about. I can tell you're worst. really passionate about this from the wagging of your finger as well. It's, <laughs> it's really, really hit a nerve, this one. I, I do agree. I think I'm that difficult person. So so Cal will ask me what restaurant I want to go to. Um, and I'll say, oh, I don't mind, you choose. And then he'll choose somewhere and I'll be like, no, I don't fancy that. I don't I don't fancy and, that food. And that's why and that's why Cal said he likes to go out to eat without you. Just like, <laughs> yeah, I can't be bothered anymore. Yeah, that's why he goes with his friends. <laughs> Oh, big up cow on that one. I, I rate the decision at the end of the day, to be honest. I really do rate it. There's just so many. There's so many great there's so many great restaurants. There's so many options. I think, yeah, I can't complain. Before, obviously, I haven't been vegan for that long and I know that um vegans backdated there wasn't very very many options and they had to kind of go with the best. So I can't complain that there are so many options and I can't choose. It is a wonderful thing, but I think I annoy everyone else because I can't make a decision. Yeah, it's a it's a funny one. You hate to be the kind of social pariah, but it's got to fall on someone. Someone's got to be the difficult one, and you might as well. You're already vegan, so they already think <laughs> you're difficult. You might as well just stick up with the uh, with the with the like the stereotype of it. But, exactly. Look, I think I think the whole idea of this conversation around restaurants in general is what it's like being a vegan and going to eat at a restaurant. Um, how you get around it and you know a lot of the people listening we know from our, our, our countless messages from the people listening first it's great you know we, we really appreciate the support from people but you know we get a lot of messages from people being like oh I'm trying veganuary and you know you guys are really helping me um, but restaurants isn't really something people are asking us at the minute naturally because we're in a lockdown and people aren't really going anywhere but it's something that they're going to really need to know about in the future so when you went vegan, tell us about your experience with, with going out to restaurants and, and how you found the whole process because it's something that people don't even think twice about when you're not vegan. You just say, oh, you know, I really fancy this. I'm going to go out and get it. Whereas now you've got to be like, oh, I fancy this, but I can't actually eat there anymore. Like, how do you go about it? Yeah. So I was so when I first did like that trial month that I told you guys about in episode one, I was really lucky that I was in Vegas and then I was in L.A., so obviously the vegan restaurants were great. I was living with a vegan, my friend. Um, so she took me to all the most amazing vegan places across America and I was living my best life and it was really great. Then I came back home to England and was like, oh crap, what do I do now? Like, I don't have my vegan guide. I don't have LA like beautiful, amazing vegan restaurants. Um, and I was kind of a bit stuck. So I kind of just started Googling restaurants um, that had vegan options. And a lot of the time I kind of just avoided going out because I was just, I just didn't know. I didn't want to be the difficult person that was always asking, is this vegan or blah, 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 blah. So I did take a step back from going out to eat as much. Um, but then the more you kind of get into the flow of it, the more you know what to look out for, the more comfortable you become in asking if things are vegan. But definitely I would advise downloading that PDF beforehand. A lot of the time I'll email the restaurant as well. Like if I'm booking it, I'll email them and say like, hey, I'm vegan. I just wanted to confirm. Um, maybe if you can't see anything signed as vegan on their menu online, I would kind of confirm with them first. I think you've mentioned, you've mentioned that before as well, you know, just about having the confidence to, to kind of get in touch and just say, hey, you know, do you have any vegan options? Like, I'm pretty sure you do, but people are more than happy to get in touch with you. You know, they return your emails, they return your calls. Um, yeah. Vegans aren't really seen as, as that much of a, a nuisance anymore because 
it's so common now. It's so commonplace, especially in the UK. Yeah. Um, everywhere's really got at least one vegan option. Um, it's more than just, you know, chips. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, everywhere, a lot of places in the UK, I'm not sure about the more rural areas, but most places that I've been to will have your, your standard chains that do have your vegan options, like your Pizza Express or your Wagamamas have amazing ones. I know <laughs> Ben loves the Waggers. I love a cheeky Waggers. Um, so I would always be heading there. Nando's, just all like your kind of main chains, they do have one or two vegan options. Some have an extensive menu like ZZ's, has a ridiculously huge vegan oh, menu. It's so good, isn't it? However, I would have to say my favourite chain that does vegan options would have to be the Real Greek. Honestly, it's amazing. In Bournemouth, they have a beautiful terrace outside, and my friend and I, Anna, literally live there. Well, when we used to live in Bournemouth, anyway, I miss it so much. But yeah, Anna and I would be there all the time with a nice bottle of red Suvaki wrap. They've got jackfruit duros, vegan aioli. They have. They've got vegan meatballs. They have the most amazing aubergine dip bulgur wheat dish jackfruit stufado honestly there are so many options it's ridiculous so yeah the real group would have to be my favorite chain that does vegan options but i want to know what your favorite chain is my favorite chain which has vegan options it's got to be i know you said it before but it's got to be wagamamas i mean their menu now i'm pretty sure it's over like 50 percent vegan like which is crazy um you know the the cuisine just lends itself to vegan food so well and you know, I go there with people sometimes, you know, back in the day, like BC before COVID, uh, you know, I would go there with my non-vegan friends and I'd be like, look, just try this. Just, just get it instead, you know, get the, get the vigatsu instead of the katsu or, you know, now they've got all this amazing stuff. I mean, I know the, the Wagamama vegan menu inside out because I was lucky enough just to, to film with Wagamamas with uh, my little collaborative group, the Plant Boys. And so that if you was haven't amazing. Seen that, Congrats on that. I was like a little proud you. mum. I was so, so, so happy for you. That was pretty sick. And if you haven't watched their video, it's on the actual Wagamamas page. So go have a look at that. It is. So we were lucky enough to try their new menu and they've got these ribs, Izzy. They've got ribs, vegan ribs, and they're just next level. I think I did mention it in the one of the first episodes that ribs were like my go to meal if I didn't mention it I'm saying it now they were I was always <laughs> yeah. getting the ribs pre-vegan so when I get my hands on these Wagamama's vegan ribs they could then become my favorite chain with vegan options it, it is bang up there and they also do a chili squid which I've got to say you know a vegan chili squid made out of uh, oyster mushrooms it is it is unbelievable but yeah I think I rate Waggers but there's loads of places look as you say you know ZZ is great Pizza Express I've got a Pizza Express down the road from me which their vegan pizzas I really really like um, yeah, it's very easy to find places in these big chains now. I'm just waiting for the day that McDonald's brings out something decent and vegan. I Will don't know that if ever had happen? Their... They've relaunched their like veggie wrap thing, which I <sighs> don't care for. I don't want mushed up vegetables in a wrap. Try harder. Try harder, McDonald's. Everyone else is doing so good. Honestly, I tried the wrap for the first time last January when they were doing like a... If you download the app and you put some code in, you got it for free and... I threw it in the bin. Like, I hate wasting food. I felt terrible about it, but I'd obviously already started to eat it. I had two bites and I was like, this is generally the most disgusting thing yeah. I've ever had. But Tammy loves them. My girlfriend, she's, she's, she loves them. She gets the dippers all the time. And I'm just like, 
yeah it's just like deep fried baby food it's not yeah, for me at all not for no. me not for me no. but yeah what about you when you um went vegan um restaurant wise what was your experience because i know you were saying when you went abroad uh, was it spain or somewhere when everyone was having all the nice charcuteries and you were there eating your chips and salad or whatever but obviously yeah. back in uk what was your experience when you first went vegan restaurant wise when i went vegan i was living abroad i was living in tel aviv so it was very easy israel is an amazing place for vegans um we are going to do that episode a couple of people have asked me so they're really looking forward to us talking about this but it seems a little bit insensitive to talk about traveling right now um, seeing as we can't do it all the borders are shut but yeah when I moved back to the UK um, which was literally about three years ago two days ago at the time of filming so it's been three years since I've come back um, I'd already been vegan about six months and um, I did struggle I, I struggled trying to find places I think you know I would always get the question and I, I guess I would probably be part of the problem at the beginning I'd always ask people where's your favorite vegan restaurant and you know people would always give their answer they would say this is a great vegan restaurant this is a great vegan restaurant but actually and I still stand by this in this day and age vegan restaurants aren't that accessible they're really hard to find they're not everywhere and to find a place where it's is only 100% vegan. You know, not all of our followers live in, in kind of central London. You know, people live all over the country. And I, I personally always suggest places which I know are accessible, like the chains that we've talked about. For me, I would always pick somewhere like a, a, a chain over a 100% vegan restaurant if I'm going for food with other people. If it's just me and I'm, you know, say you and I went for a meal, I would definitely say let's pick a vegan place because it would be 100% easier. But... I always kind of found that at the beginning because people always wanted to know like, oh, where are you going to go? And when I moved back, I was living in Kentish town. So near Camden town, um, Camden is a, is a hub for veganism. And it was great because I would go down, I would have Temple of Satan. I would have What the Pitta. I would have, uh, God, there's so many. Uh, Pureza opened up there. Oh, amazing, um, yeah. Yeah, there were so many options. And I was like, yeah, this is just incredible. But when I was going with people, I'd be like, oh, I don't really know what to do. So I would always kind of go on Happy Cow. Um, Happy Cow is actually a really amazing app. Basically, is is a location-based service where you go on the app and you type in where you are and it will tell you where there are sort of vegan options around you. It's not the most in-depth because unfortunately a lot of the places on there, their vegan options can sometimes just be like, like honestly like a kebab place where they've got chips and they've got bread and they've got salads. Like It doesn't really help. But things like that are a really good good way of finding places and you can narrow down searches and people leave reviews and you can kind of see what it's about. And yeah, I find that really useful. And, you know, again, that would probably be my top tip, to be honest, is to download Happy Cow. And to be honest, I think my, my top tip would be to not feel bad for eating at non-vegan restaurants okay yeah, like yeah. it's fine i know every everyone it's fair enough everyone has their own opinions on this and some vegans may not feel comfortable doing so and supporting like a, a, a chain um and some vegans do feel comfortable however i would say if you feel comfortable doing so don't be made to feel guilty it's your choice um my personal opinion i'm not saying this is the right one but my personal opinion is that i will eat at chains like kfc um, I will eat their KFC chicken, um, vegan, not chicken. I'll definitely not be eating their, their chicken burger. Um, <laughs> I will eat KFC's vegan burger because I think the more demand that we show, the more vegan options they're going to make. The less demand we show, they'll cut it out, stop making the vegan option and start producing more and more meat options. So for me, I would definitely try and support that demand. Um, and also all complete vegan restaurants are not accessible to everyone. As we said before, 
I lived in London, there wasn't that many restaurants where I lived. Now Bournemouth is bopping. It's got loads of amazing independent vegan restaurants there. It's doing so well, like the Mighty Wieners. It's got 12 Eatery. It's got a shit ton sorry, now. Sorry, 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 what? Mighty Wieners? That sounds amazing. Sorry, it's just the, the, the childish boy in me just laughed at Mighty Wieners. I'm sorry. <laughs> and they've got plant husks there, but they've got loads. But anyway, the point is entirely vegan restaurants are not accessible to everyone. Um, and entirely vegan restaurants can be super expensive as well. So don't feel guilty. It's absolutely fine. If you're going to eat at a chain and eat their vegan option and you yourself feel comfortable doing so, then that is absolutely fine. As you say, it's all about supply and demand. And if you know, KFC bought out their KFC vegan burger and no one went to eat it, they would say, well, what's the point of this? Let's stop doing it. Whereas if loads of people eat it, they say, okay, there's a huge demand for this. Let's supply more and let's put some more options. So that's what we want. You know, we want vegan popcorn chicken and we want vegan dippers and strips and we want everything. We want the full menu, but vegan, why not? They do it in the States. Bring it over here, KFC. Come on, get involved. Yeah, exactly. Get involved. involved. I just want everyone to get involved with veganism as much as they can. I don't want to gatekeep. I don't want any cancel culture. I want to involve everyone and make everything as accessible as possible and not attack people for doing what they feel comfortable with doing. Um, But of course, I do love to support the 100% vegan restaurants and the small independents and living in London, I'm really lucky that I can do so. Um, Obviously, I haven't really had a chance to go to restaurants since moving to London um, because um, I moved to London and COVID was in full swing. Um, So I haven't had a chance to do that. I've been to a few. Um, when we were able to do so and I can't wait to get back and support all these amazing vegan um, restaurants and plus can't wait to get back and support the chains as well yeah definitely and speaking of vegan restaurants you know you asked me my favorite chain that serves vegan food um also asked you vice versa what is your favorite vegan vegan restaurant that's a it's a tough question but you know the people will need an answer Okay, well, there's slightly more niche. Well, I guess they're both niche because it just depends where I was living at the time and not everyone's going to live in those places. Um, So I would have to say my favourite vegan restaurant is a place called 12 Eatery. Um, It is in Bournemouth and it is beautiful. It's phenomenal. It's all organic. It's all vegan. I think it's like England's first fully organic bar. So all the wines, beers, cocktails, everything's organic all the food is vegan. They ha- they made vegan caviar to have with the tofu fish and chips by like this kind of chemical reaction by dropping things in with like seaweed flavor to make the little ball thing. And it tasted amazing. Vegan steak. So bougie. So it is bougie, classic me. I love a bit of bougie, don't I? Um, Absolutely. But, <laughs> but yeah, that is definitely my favorite restaurant. I've been there a couple of times now. But yeah, that's mine. What about what about you? Um, well, I, I probably do have a favorite, but it's not in the UK. So we can, we can save that conversation for another time. Um, my favorite restaurant, that is vegan that is in the uk i am torn it's always really hard i mentioned what the pitta before and i just rate i just rate it so high like it's so simple the concept is so simple i did have one bad meal there once i will announce it and i'm sorry to gem and the team there i did have one bad meal one time and one time only however every other time has been amazing and it's just something that i just crave there doesn't seem to be much else like that around certainly not really in london i know manchester has a few other kebab kind of type places but there's a place called donna summer that i see oh, i've heard of that more. yeah yeah but for me i think i think it is what the pitta um pureza i also mentioned it before um their pizzas are some of the best pizzas i've ever had in my life uh even vegan or non-vegan so 
I couldn't not give them a shout out too. But yeah, I think I'll go with what the pitta, seeing as you picked the most bougie place with your <laughs> my vegan caviar out of seaweed from the Seine. So I've got to go. I'm doing this for the people. <laughs> Fucking kebabs and a pint of lager. Let's do it. I love that. I'm we actually ordered, Cal and I ordered a what the pitta like two weeks ago and it's the first time we've ever had it and it was so good. Um, pizza wise, yard sale pizza, uh, absolutely banging. Cal and I had that for the first time. Izzy, wait, sorry. We literally, we did this last week. We got ourselves so hyped up about pizza that we ended up having to order pizza. I cannot Stop, do this yeah, again. let's not talk about pizza anymore. <laughs> no. This week's guest is quite the expert when it comes to vegan and plant-based restaurants. Louis Blake is a London-based entrepreneur, speaker and investor who started out in football, then moved to nightlife, and then switched to a plant-based diet in 2015, which caused him to switch his focus to plant-based business. He's the founder of Erpingham House, a group that includes the UK's largest vegan restaurant. And on top of this, he's the founder of pizza chain Vegan Doco and a partner with plant-based restaurant brand by Chloe UK. I don't think there is a guest out there that is more of an expert in plant-based cuisine, so it's our pleasure to have him on. So thank you so much for joining us on Two Vs and a Pod. We're super excited to chat to you. But what we like to ask all our guests is your death row meal. So this would be a three-course meal of your choice. And we expect a lot of plugs of your own food as well in your own restaurant, <laughs> so yeah, it's absolutely plugs fine. plugs are welcome. <laughs> I don't know if I can plug my own. Um, well, my t- I, I, it's actually funny enough. It's a good question because I was saying this the other day. My my staple savoury food is hummus, obviously. So that would have to be my my starter. And my staple sweet food are dates, but like sliced with peanut butter in the middle. So that would have to be my dessert. And then in the middle, probably Mexican is probably my favourite food. So probably some variation on tempeh, oyster mushroom, tacos. Okay. Type vibe. Yeah, wash down with probably some tequila to wash down, maybe. Obviously, Mexican food is a great choice because I think people sometimes avoid it because they think, oh, it might give me some stomach problems. But if you're having your final meal, it doesn't matter. Just eat away, get as much in as possible. <laughs> All the repercussions make no difference. Exactly right. I'm really happy to hear tempeh in there as well. I'm a huge tempeh fan and I think it's such an underdog. Everyone's always going for tofu. The tempeh, the tempeh is here to stay. It's definitely getting more popular, so I hope to keep seeing it. And it's like, it's a, it's a cleaner, it's a cleaner alternative protein, isn't it? I, I, I love what the whole the whole method of creating it and shout out the club cultured boys that have uh, have uh, brought it to market in the UK and are doing really well with that. Yeah, no, I was really excited to see Club Cultured in um, Tortilla now, and it seems to be more of a correct me if I'm wrong, like a permanent fixture there because I know they did it as a little bit of a test run, but it seems like to be it's going to be stuck on the menus, which is great. Yeah, so it started in the six kitchens was the, was the test initially, and it's now gone gone national across I think forty plus sites, and it's doing really well. So, so yeah, it's been well received so far. So yeah, we're just really interested to talk to you. Obviously, um, we know that you've gone from football to nightlife, and now to plant based food. I know Ben's super interested to touch on the football side, and we're obviously super interested just to talk about plant based restaurants and all that sort of jazz. So I'd love to kind of hear just um, a bit about your journey of how you moved across these different kind of areas and what made you um finally end up with plant-based food sure yeah i'll give you the i guess i'll give you the overview then so um uh, i left school when i was 16 i didn't really know what i wanted to do but i did know that i didn't want to do something that i hated i didn't want to get up to work go to work every day and do something that was meaningless uh and the only thing i really loved around that age was football it wasn't good enough to play um professionally at least and so i went straight into coaching 
Um, very, very hard to get given a coaching job as a 16 year old. So uh, I volunteered. I did nearly a year working for free at a pro club. Uh, got given a got given a job, set up my own little coaching business on the side. And then I decided that I wanted to go and live uh, in New York. I'd always had this thing of living in New York. So applied for a job over there, um, lied about my age. After the interview, they, they, they kind of figured it out and kept me anyway, thankfully. So yeah, and then over the next couple of years, I went to work in New York. Uh, I went to uh, work in Mexico City. Um, and then when I was in, in Mexico, I was uh, fairly isolated. And so I went kind of down the rabbit hole in terms of business and personal development and, and read a hell of a lot of books and spent a lot of time kind of working on myself. And I kind of reverse engineered the business that I was working in, um, in the sense it was a subscription based football academy for players that weren't necessarily in professional clubs, but wanted to have professional coaching. And so I thought, well, I could do this myself. And so I moved back to the UK uh, at 20 and set up my first business, which was a football academy for kids uh, in Norwich, where I'm from originally. Um, and kind of when that started going well, I kind of figured out, hang on a minute, I'm doing something that I love and something that I enjoy and I'm getting paid for it. So, so what, what else do I love? Like, what else do I really enjoy? And at that age, being 21, uh, I loved drinking. So, so um, that was my first kind of foray into hospitality. I started doing kind of student events and, and nightclub events, um, which which was great. Learned all about kind of marketing and advertising. And this is when kind of Facebook first came out. So I was doing big Facebook events and hiring kind of like, I guess, what were early influencers in terms of getting your mates to bring 10 mates. And it was a, it was a really it was a really lucrative business for, for, for pretty much going out and getting drunk and kind of grew that business to multiple cities. We had you know 10 cities or so running at once with different student events on uh, and then bought a nightclub. Um, so I, I kind of that's where I kind of learned about operations and. I say learn about operations. It was, it was a pretty dodgy business, but um, but yeah, when it went into nightlife by, by that kind of that route, um, very unconscious, you know. And at that point, it kind of started becoming less about doing something that I loved and more about making money. And I got caught in that trap of like, you know, starting to make a little bit of money and then chasing money. And when you start chasing money at that in that way at that young age, you kind of neglect things like happiness, purpose, health. Um, and then it kind of continued on that path for, for a while. And when I got to kind of 24, 25, um, I realized that I needed to make a bit of a change. I set up a recruitment company using the contacts I built in hospitality. Uh, and then from that, we had an agency, a marketing agency within that business. And around that time, I burnt out. And it was a consequence of eating a pretty poor diet, eating out all the time, um, not paying attention to my health, not really caring about anyone else or anything else other than me and my business and how much money I can make. And veganism for me was a catalyst for this whole awakening on how I'm connected to other people in the world and how important health and wellness is. And it took me kind of having that burnout and watching uh, or going into the depths of YouTube and trying to figure out how I could get back to work quickly and what would make me well again to stumble across a plant-based video to kind of have that awakening. Um, and yeah, that was what, six years ago now. Um, and it was just what, like a what light, was the what was the video? It was a it was a talk that someone had given on you uh, and filmed it and put it on YouTube. It was 101 reasons to go vegan. Um, I think it's a guy in Florida or somewhere who's given this talk to this audience. And then when I watched that, it kind of sparked the interest. And I went down the rabbit hole and watched all the you know the typical documentaries you watch, like Forks Over Knives and Earthlings and 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 these other ones. 
And then very quickly, I felt conflicted at work because a lot of our clients were big kind of steak restaurants or, you know, a lot of people that were selling animal products. And, you know, I'd, I was fairly successful. I built up this kind of agency and this this business. And I, after a few months of, of being vegan and becoming immersed in, in, in what it meant, I walked away from that business, walked away from nightlife. Um, and the first business, I guess, into kind of veganism was I set up a little agency that was working with kind of vegan brands and people launching vegan products. And the problem was at that point that there wasn't many vegan brands and there wasn't many people doing vegan products. And so my potential customer base was pretty limited. But I did do I, I did start working with Wagamama uh, on their vegan offering when they launched the, their Vigatsu and when, when they had the national campaign for that. And it kind of showed me that the I kind of had this equation in my head of how could I leverage my individual talents and traits for the benefit of the most amount of people with veganism as the driver. And what I discovered through food, that food was a really low barrier to entry in which to introduce people to this lifestyle. And so I felt that food was the best way for me to do that. Um, and the most obvious way at that point seemed to open my own restaurant, given that I'd had obviously experience in running a nightclub and the whole marketing thing around that. But I grossly underestimated that point the uh, the work and from a food and I think everyone who opens a restaurant probably says the same thing as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and so um and so from that um yeah I decided to open a restaurant and that was kind of my first proper I guess uh entry into the into the kind of vegan business world coming up to coming up to probably four years ago as you did mention before I do want to touch on the football a little bit because um I don't think it's going to be too often that I'm going to get a chance to talk about something else that I'm passionate about. Um, I don't talk about it a lot on my sort of vegan page and, you know, a lot of my followers are, are female and that's obviously not to say that they don't like football, but they obviously like football a little bit less than I do because I've been a Chelsea season ticket holder for my whole life. I'm, I'm big into football and something I struggled with with going vegan um, is that whole stereotype around males and you know eating meat and you know the machio machismo well, what's the word i can't talk today it's ridiculous yeah it's like macho but there is a word where you add ism on the end of macho it does become a word um but yeah that whole kind of macho lifestyle of you are a man you must eat meat and football and that are really intertwined like did you find that to be an issue when you went vegan like that sort of past element of your life kind of began to feel less important to you or did you manage to find a way to combine the two and I know you still work with football you have these um, these pitches in, in Norwich that you're working on at the minute um, so I know you're still working in the football world but yeah how did you manage to deal with that whole kind of uh, stigmatism I guess we can still call it yeah well I, th I think actually going plant-based reconnected me to my health in a way that I'd lost so at that point I, I'd stopped playing football I'd stopped being involved in football really um, I wasn't really training. I was still boxing a little bit, but not really taking it very seriously or, or, or going going very often. And going plant based actually reconnected me to, to to training. I felt I had more energy. I felt stronger. I had better endurance. My mindset was better. So for me personally, I think I took that to be worth more than what other people would say or think. Um, and I think if you are, if you do really concern yourself with what other people say or think, you don't ever really get anything done, particularly when it's something that goes outside of the normal what those people are used to. But that being said, you know, my 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 best mate is a professional footballer. A lot, a lot of my close mates play professional football. And surprisingly, they were really open because I think to get to that point 
in, in football, you have to be open to new information and you're looking for a slight edge. You're looking for the thing that's going to make you better. And so my, my best mate, who's also my business partner in a, a number of the businesses, he went vegan about a year after me and has been ever since. And he's playing in the championship now. Um, one of my other best mates is, you know, he's was playing in the Premier League, went plant based and had some of his best kind of performances at, at early 30s being a vegan athlete. And in the restaurant, as we've grown, um, I think it's six footballers and are either investors or partners in that business and so believe in it and see, and see it as, as being something that's important. So I think as much as there was a lot of stigma, certainly kind of five or six years ago, I think that's definitely changing in films like Game Changers and, you know, these athletes that are speaking up, Hector Bellerin and, and other players that are kind of leading the way and showing that you can excel as a footballer on a plant-based diet, it's definitely helping the cause. But I think the main the main concern is that often, you know, the connotations of of of, of um, veganism connect well with what is essentially expected of a female to be kind and compassionate and caring and 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 be interested in those things. Whereas those toxic masculine kind of traits of kind of being macho and all the assumptions would be that you have to eat steak and all this other crap and it's just it's just not true but but they're so embedded in our in the cultural narrative that we we subscribe to as a man that it's difficult to get rid of those and and then you often get tested by guys that don't want to step outside of what they've been taught and that's the challenge but it's having this kind of it's, it's feeling the benefits for yourself and being strong enough in, in your conviction that you allow your own feeling to override what anyone else says you started kind of investing in restaurants you've got by chloe you've got vegan doco um did you want to talk to us around a bit of a bit about them yeah i guess i can give you a bit of kind of the restaurant journey and how that's kind of played out for me the first one was erpingham house uh, in norwich this is when i didn't have a clue what i was doing at all and i'm happy to admit that now um but we took on a massive building that essentially the landlord couldn't shift no one wanted it it was too big um five floors in 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 the centre of Norwich um and when I put the offer on it I didn't have enough money or anywhere near enough money to fully fit it out and open it but I didn't accept the offer to be accepted and when it was I kind of thought okay this is this is this is go time I've had an offer accepted I've signed a fit I signed a 15 year lease without the money to even kit it out um which kicked me into action and invariably we got it done first year was a was a massive massive uh, learning curve I mean I'd been in London for six years at this point, I was coming back to my home city. Um, I moved back in with my parents at 26, 27 years old, spent every penny I had on putting it into this restaurant and lived off nothing for the first two years to, to try and make it a reality. I was in there seven days a week. I would, well, I would pot wash, I would serve tables, I'd do anything that it took. And bear in mind, I'd left a business and a job that was paying me you know, really well to come and do that, but I believed in it. And that was the fuel that, that kind of kept things going. Um, there was a point in that first year where my even my accountant said to me, you need to think about wrapping this up. We were losing thousands of pounds a week, losing thousands of pounds a week. At one point, we were tens of thousands of pounds in debt. I'd personally guaranteed a lot of it. It was it was massive pressure, but I, I really believed in it. I, I, I really believe and, and the, the approach that we had in terms of normalizing plant based food and taking and our target market being non vegans. We we're really going after people that weren't vegan but positioning the food in such a way that it was relatable and focusing on the the touch points where we can meet the customer. So if they're interested in health, talking about the health benefits, if they're interested in interior and fashion and Instagram, we'd make it the space look beautiful, you know, and, and, and trying to really figure out 
the best way to, to, to meet our customers. And, and and it got there and it is now three years in and it, and it, and it's had a fantastic year despite COVID and we've adapted and, and it's, it's solid. We've opened our second site in Brighton, uh, plans for a third site in London, which have been halted for the moment. Um, oh, fingers that, crossed. I literally see so many yeah. people posting about it. I'm like, I need to go there. I need to travel there and try some of that food. So if it would come to London, that would be amazing. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 we, and so that concept is going really well, but uh, at the same time, um, as you probably noticed from all of the ventures and the, the, the stuff that I post about, I, I, I like to be busy and I like to be doing lots of different things at once. I've got a terrible attention span, so I need multiple things to work on at one time. And so after the first year of Erpingham House, I, I opened California Kitchen in London, in, in Tottenham Court Road, um, which was an absolute dream. I'd been going to LA for three or four years prior to that, and it was my favourite place to go to eat. Um, I took all of the inspiration from there and created that brand with a view to kind of offering something that was more like plant-based, whole food, healthier, no plastics, um, in central London, in a gap that I hadn't seen filled, super kind of like uh, Instagrammable aesthetic, which as much as, you know, that's not something that I, I wanted to necessarily celebrate, I knew that was a really effective way to engage people that weren't vegan, to get them to come in. And as a result, they discover the food. Um, had a great year doing that, but invariably the people, the, my partners on that, we had different views on it um, and the relationship didn't necessarily work out. And around a year, a year into that, I, I got into conversation with the guys behind by Chloe, was, loved what they'd done, the, the, the company that had brought it to the UK and Europe, they had big plans, big platform. And I got chatting to them about how I could potentially work with them, how we could you know, take, take the brands to other parts of the world, how we could use that as a real driving force to promote veganism. And, and it was just a great opportunity to be able to do that while still working on my other stuff. And so over the last 12 months working with them, helping that kind of grow and, and being involved there has been great. And this, they've invested in my, my, my pizza concept and we're now doing that together. So Vegan Doco is now Norwich, Brighton, four sites in London, um, and we, we, we've had great fun growing that and a, and a physical site to come um, this year for, for, for that concept. So, um, so yeah, it's been, it's been, it's all kind of happened quite quickly. I mean, the last, in, in three years, we've opened what, over 10 sites, multiple concepts and brands, and there's other brands that we've done and, and that are ongoing. And it's, it's been a great experience, obviously, uh, to, to learn and to, to, to get to work with food and to get to, I think the biggest thing with, with vegan restaurants is you get to experience and play a part in someone discovering vegan food and that triggering a lifestyle choice and seeing that person come back in or having them reach out and say, after eating in your restaurant, I changed this or it opened my eyes to this. It's, it's such an amazing thing to play a part in. And I think that's what brings together our teams is that they get to participate in that person's life and the, and the change in their life. And so, yeah, it's been it's been amazing. And something else that Izzy and I talked about early on in the show is about eating at restaurants that aren't vegan but have vegan offerings. And, and it's something that we actually both agree on. So it would be great if you don't necessarily agree, but we both think it's it great that, especially in the UK at the minute, there's such a high number of places which aren't vegan. And, you know, some of them are changed. You've got your KFCs, your Pizza Expresses, your ZZs, your Wagamamas, um, these sort of places offering vegan food. What are your thoughts on, on people supporting these places rather than just trying to look out for the 
um, like the 100% vegan offering because it's all about accessibility, about the ease of actually being able to get a vegan meal at the end of the day, right? Yeah, I mean, I think the lowest hanging fruit for us isn't turning the world vegan. It's about having people that are um, open to to trying and, and, and incorporating plant-based foods into their diet and, and, and making it accessible to them. They, there's, there's four problems you've got to solve. One is price point, two is convenience, three is, uh, three is quality, and, and four is information. And if you if you look at those those four kind of points and you can create a solution around it for them, that's how you're going to win over those people. Um, I, I'm a fan. I mean, I, I think the, essentially money talks, right? If you, and 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 so do um, so do sales mix. So a sales mix for a restaurant. If they get to the end of the week and they they look at the sales mix and they've sold more vegan tacos than regular tacos, then it's not about the ethics or the sustainability or the hell it's about it's, a, it's the numbers and sadly a lot of these businesses are still in the in the 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 old kind of paradigm of profit over anything else and that's what they'll look for and while they're and while they are there that's that's the game that we've got to play in the game that we're in so yeah i support them um i i think people should support them um but for me personally i, I try and also support i know how hard it is for for, for independent vegan restaurants and so I do try and eat out in them as as much as possible. I've got many friends that run vegan restaurants, and I would say for people with with um, with dietary issues around veganism, and if they're vegan on the basis of their their health, cross contamination can be an issue in some of these kitchens. You know, they're often when they're operated by non vegans, they don't have the same sensitivity around cross contamination. It can be an issue at times. But you know, for me, if I accidentally have something slip into my food or the, the knife touches something else, it's not going to kill me. And so I'm not as as bothered. I think you've got to have an element of you know empathy for for, for those that are, that are making that effort. Look, I, I think it's important to support people that are making those steps. And ultimately, we're we're trying to make veganism as accessible and as popular as possible. And the only way to do that is by working with these kind of brands. Um, and you look at someone like Wagamama. You know, when I first worked with them nearly four years ago having a Vigatsu on their menu was a massive thing. And now they're heading towards having 50% of their menu as being plant-based. How incredible is that? And, and how many sites they have and be, have someone to be able to go in there and not just have access to a vegan menu, but seeing seeing it promoted to them, it, it, it helps normalize the entire thing. So yeah, I think it's great. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really glad to hear that. I think it is, it's so important, as you said, to support independent small businesses and fully vegan businesses. And I'm 100% all for that. And where I can, I will do that. But also if I'm going out for a meal with some non-vegan friends, or if there's a subway opposite me and it's easy for me to access it, then I'm going to do that as well. I'm going to try and have a 50-50 where I'm supporting the small independents and the 100% vegans. But I'm also supporting the large chains and kind of showing up and saying, hey, I'm vegan, I'm going to show demand. So then that they keep providing for that demand. Um, so I definitely, I definitely agree with that. Um, but I miss going to restaurants. Ben and I were chatting about how we really miss going to restaurants. Um, and it was really interesting. I saw your post um, just yesterday, I believe it was, on your kind of tips around um, for restaurants and how to deal with the COVID situation and how they can't open. And I know you spoke around home kits and I have really been enjoying some home kits at the moment, um, like burger home kit from Honest Burgers I had fairly recently, which I absolutely loved, um, which obviously obviously as a, um, a non-vegan restaurant, but I enjoyed their vegan home kit. Um, I wondered if you wanted just to discuss around some of your other tips that you put out there just for our followers, because um, I think the post was super interesting. Um, I definitely found it really insightful. Yeah, um, so actually how Vegan Doco came to be is that we were looking for a, 
one to create an additional revenue stream but the main purpose of it was for us to engage with a slightly different demographic at Erpingham House initially um, much of our audience was female I'd say as much as 80% 85% of our audience was female and so I was looking to to, to be able to reach more men uh, and more kind of uh, and yeah and guys and so vegan doco although not necessarily geared directly towards men was more accessible to, to, to a male audience. And so we, we put that into the kitchen from Erpingham House. We launched it as a digital brand on Deliveroo only. And then when the first lockdown hit, we had Erpingham House on Deliveroo and Vegan Doco on Deliveroo in Norwich. And I was looking at this kitchen space and thinking, how can I increase our reach? How can I offer more people access to, to plant-based food that have slightly different interests or, or dietary uh, requirements or wants? And how can I future-proof my business? Because if we are going to be locked down again, or if there is a, a future pandemic, I'm going to need to be ready. And so we've created a number of digital brands that can operate from that space. The most recent one you might have seen yesterday was Chuck Chick, which from speaking to our audience, everyone was crying out for a more of a comfort food um, concept. And so we extended our kitchen space. We knocked through our cafe. We had additional prep space. And so we now have uh, Chuck Chick trading from there. We have a sports-focused brand called Plant Prep with macro-counted um, kind of macronutrients on, on the packs and more people that are looking for sport and performance. Uh, and so digital brands is a great way, providing that you can, there's an element of crossover on ingredients to minimize wastage, uh, providing that you are set up from an operational and, and staffing perspective that your kitchen can handle it. And ultimately, that there's a demand and that you're doing something that, that your local community needs and is going to respond to. So digital brands is one. I think the recipe kits is a great one because you're inviting people to recreate their favorites at home and get involved with the brand. And if you can produce video content around that that supports that, it helps to kind of humanize your, your business and, and make a connection with the audience. Um, and, and I think retail product is a great opportunity as well. I think, you know, if one business that hasn't slowed down during this is, is retail. People are still going to supermarkets. People are still, people are doing shopping online, etc. So if you've got a signature hot sauce that you make or a, or a dessert or a particular kind of pastry, and lots of that, um, there's a, an e-commerce or a retail play for, 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 for people. So I think it's just, look, I think it's just, it's an attitude. It's, it's looking at it and saying, okay, these are the restrictions. This is what's happened. How can I pivot? How can I adapt? And how can I keep meeting my customers where uh, fulfilling my customers' needs? Because ultimately, as a business, you exist to solve problems. You exist for a purpose. And how can you continue to explore that purpose in a different way? And, and unfortunately, we are restricted, but it doesn't mean we can't do something. Um, and if you really care about why you're there and why you're doing what you're doing, you'll find a way to keep meeting, meeting your customers' needs. And yeah, if there's anything that you, you know, now is your chance to, to plug anything for the listeners, um, the, the, the hundreds and hundreds of people listening at home, what is it that you want them to go and follow and where can they find you to, to follow you as well? Yeah, so I get most, of my, I'm, most of my stuff's on probably Instagram I'm most active on is at Louis underscore Blake. Uh, I love a LinkedIn post as well. Uh, I'm really enjoying LinkedIn because I'm seeing that as a, a kind of a community of people that uh, essentially in the business world are, are, are trying to really drive plant-based and it seems there's a good network of people on there so if you're not on linkedin i would advise you if you're interested in vegan business to jump on there and yeah projects wise obviously open house by chloe vegan doco chuck chick plant prep floozy a bunch of stuff going on so yeah any support is much appreciated 
Thanks for listening this week. It was great chatting to Louis all about his career as well as learning about the vegan restaurant world. Also remember, it really is okay to ask questions before going to the restaurant. 99% of the time, I've found that they're more than happy to assist on what's vegan and what's not. And when they're all back open, please do let us know which spots you've tried out and which are your favourite. This show was produced and edited by Callum Goddard Mocklow for Apricot Audio. And we'll be back next week with another episode for you. But in the meantime, please remember to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast available on all podcast platforms such as Apple, Spotify and Acast. And if you want to keep up to date with all the latest happenings, then remember to follow us both on Instagram at IzzyTheVegan and at Ben's Vegan Kitchen. We'll see you next week. See you later.